You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is the Classic Auto Mall Podcast. Broadcast from the studios inside the Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Just one hour west of Philadelphia at Pennsylvania Turnpike Exit 298. Featuring nearly 1,000 classic, vintage, and barn find vehicles for sale under one climate-controlled roof. Now, here's your host, Classic Auto Mall President and the man with all the toys, Stuart Howden. And good morning, Classic Auto Mall listeners, and uh, hello to Morgantown, PA. Beautiful downtown Morgantown, PA. It's it's like a metropolis here, isn't it? It's like it the, it's a whole metropolis, and we don't hear you, so you know t- more technical difficulties. Check, check, there. I think, check, check. We got a lot of buttons. <laughs> you got I'm, a, I'm eliminating half of these damn buttons around here. All right, we got too many buttons. That's a good idea. We're overbuttoned. Really good idea. You know, I think less is more. It, it is simple. Keep it simple, 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 stupid. That's right. right? Just like the cars out here. The simpler they are, the easier they are to take care of. That's them, exactly right? right. When you can stand in the engine compartment mm-hmm. and work on the car on the engine, that's, right. that's much better than when I open the hood of my new Mercedes. I go. <laughs> I don't even know what is that an engine? Yeah. What is that? It's is, a plastic cover. It's but. a big plastic cover, a big old plastic cover. Hey, you know what? On Google, just now we got a five star review. Is that right? How cool is that? I love when that just happens. Your randomly. reputation precedes you. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, show number one hundred and three. This is our hundred and third show. Mm-hmm. Man, we're like old pros. That's this. amazing. That's amazing. We're doing we're doing something <laughs> Still wrong. Still can't figure right. out the buttons, but <laughs> yeah, we'll we're getting there. Get to one hundred and fifty two. We'll know the the uh, yeah. the button sequence. That's right? the magic number. We had uh, our friend Toby Ross on last week from uh, uh, Radnor Hunt Concord d'Elegance, uh, which is coming up uh, September 8th, 9th, and 10th, I believe mm-hmm. it is. And uh, if you go to their website, uh, radnorhunt.org or radnorhuntconcord.org, um, you can find out all the information about it. It's a wonderful event, probably one of the top five Concord d'Elegances in the country. And are you looking to check my math? I'm checking my checking calendar. <laughs> Frankly, this will be, September's going to be a busy month. It's going to be a very busy month. So we got that. And then October, we lead into Hershey. We've got our yeah. 40 by 100 tent at Hershey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're taking 18 cars down wow. there. And you think, well, it's so close. It's only 50 miles away. Mm. It's almost more of a pain in the butt to ship cars 50 miles than it is to ship them across the country. Sure. Because it's like sending them to the Philly Auto Show in downtown Philly. Well, I'm happy to drive the Viper out there. I'm happy to drive the, <laughs> the ZL1 supercar. I'm I happy. like that ZL1 supercar. I do, too. It's kind of a cool car. I drove that uh, Shelby GT500 that we got in yesterday, the white one. It's got like 19,000 miles. Oh, on. really? And man, that thing is... It might give my uh, Mercedes a run for its money. <laughs> yeah, it is. Quick. Man, it's got it's mm-hmm. 680 horsepower mm-hmm. or something like that. So... You know, listen, I, I'm just glad I'm not 16 in this day and age because I would be dead because my 180 horsepower Trans Am yep. would have, I've, I've gotten plenty of trouble with that. So I'm certain that, uh, you know, had I had that, I would have gotten in even more trouble. So, yep. uh, anyway, 940 vehicles in inventory right now. You got to start selling more. Come on. I'm trying, man. <laughs> you don't try. Come on. I'm doing we my best. Whittle, we got to thin the herd. Herb. Part, part-timer. I'm trying to do, squeeze in as much as I can. I'm seeing you here more often. I, 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 
<laughs> I'm moving. Have you in. rented a house yet? Or no, I'm you, looking. Uh, looking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, we're looking for a place for our daughter to rent. If anybody knows of any place to rent that's not twenty eight hundred dollars a month right. for a, a a tent with no with no bathroom. Yeah. Uh, then, <laughs> I think I think Classic Audemars has raised the property values in Morgantown, Elverson. I mean, you should blame it on the casino, Honeybrook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny though? When you go online, you don't see anything for rent at all. I mean, maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. I don't know. Hmm. I placed an ad and I couldn't find really? anything. Yeah, I did. I, don't, I never saw it, but I, I paid for it. So I'm, I'm assuming it went out there and said, looking for a and place to rent. And you're assuming because you got zero response. That's a good assumption. I I'm like looking that. for like a farmhouse, like a, a barn loft. I, you know what I'm looking for is back in the days when, when we were in college, you could rent like a room from one of the rich people in town. And then when they were out of town, you'd take care of their house. Exactly. Of course, when they were out of town, you'd have parties in their house and drive their cars <laughs> and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Well, so, I'm looking. Yeah. So if you find Find that kind of gig. Let me know because you know maybe we could do something besides you know mm-hmm. be in the car business. We yeah. Just, uh, well, there's pig farmers and mushroom farmers in this area. So there I'm thinking are. Lots gotta, of they got to have an extra loft somewhere. I would, I would think that they probably do. <laughs> uh, you know. So if we are in the real estate business anymore, anyway, you uh, you ask where did we sell cars the past not week, mm-hmm. two weeks, right? Did we not have a show last week? What happened? That is correct. You were oh, I was out away of t- in Steamboat Springs or something. Oh, Colorado Springs. Okay. The building, it's crazy. All you right. can't even imagine. Okay. Within two miles of our kids' house, 5,000 houses being built wow. under construction right now. I don't know where they're getting the materials. I don't know where. I, 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 but the cool thing is we thought about, oh, what if we put a classic automobile out here? We always think that when we Sure, yeah. And, and if you think that, then you can write it off as a business trip. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you talk about it over dinner. Yeah, you talk about it over dinner, then it becomes a business sure trip. Sure So we're thinking, well, you know, the last time we were here, we didn't see any classic cars. I swear to you, we saw 30 classic cars if we saw one riding around <laughs> the Streets. Is that right? Camaros and Mustangs and pickup trucks and mm. classic vehicles, but I mean they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're going to Colorado Springs. I got some locations for you. Pikes Peak yep. is right there. It is. I mean, Pike. our kids live like thirty minutes from Pikes. And Peak. there's a couple museums out there too. I think there is. Car and, uh, Gateway, the oh. guy from mm-hmm. uh, John, whatever his name is, yep. that uh, founded uh, Discovery Channel. Yes. I don't know why I can't think of his name. He's the guy who bought the F eighty five Olds, or didn't buy it, but he had his guy buy yep. it at Barrett Jackson with the guy in the red Ferrari yep. hat, and they got into it like a pissing contest with the guy. In the I remember Tennessee it well. Hat. Epic uh, Barrett Jackson moment. Yeah, that was one of the uh, probably. He most- sat in the car and he wouldn't get out. And he just kept bidding. <laughs> Bidding it up on and him. the guy, uh, the guy who he was bidding against is a guy from Cleveland, Tennessee, who has the check into cash chain. Okay, so he's like I wow. don't know, some kind of check cashing service or something. So mm-hmm. I can't think of his name right now. You know, I'm so blanking lately. What's <laughs> wrong with me? Does they, they make pills to make you no like, monster energy drink? Uh, will help with that. or five hour energy. I drink. take the pills; they don't work. <laughs> Adderall, Adderall, Adderall. No, I can't I remember the, the buttons from week to week. Doesn't that yeah. make you sleep? Adderall? No, Adderall. Okay, all right. So anyway, where did we sell cars the past two weeks? Wow. How about Third Lake, Illinois, West Leechburg, Pennsylvania, Coatesville, Pennsylvania, Littleton, Massachusetts, Hampton Bays, New York, Black Canyon, Arizona, Rock Hill, South Carolina, Shelbyville, Kentucky, East End, Pennsylvania, Delmont, Pennsylvania, San Diego, California, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Emos... Pennsylvania. Emmaus. 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 All mm-hmm. right. Whatever. Uh, Denton, Massachusetts. Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Lebanon, Pennsylvania. St. Clairsville, Ohio. Levittown, Pennsylvania. Nesconset, New York. Santiago, Chile. Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Marysville, Washington. Lindenhurst, New York. Dover, New Hampshire. Bristol, Connecticut. Bristol, Pennsylvania. Warren, New Jersey. Hewitt, New Jersey. And Ahmedabad, India. Really? Yeah. We never sold a car to India before. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen states and two foreign places. 
<laughs> Does that mean the dollar is strong or weak or whatever? I tell it's people we sell cars all over the world. We they, do. They don't believe me when I tell them they, we sell 10 to 20 cars. All they have week. to do is go look at our map. You can see the little stick mm-hmm. pins, and you know we wouldn't just put those in if we were lying. Right. right? Like, Couldn't. Uh, oh, we sold one to uh, Azerbaijan or right. whatever. And we sold two to Russia mm-hmm. pre, uh, you know. Conflict, right? Right. I'm not sure that anybody's buying classic cars over there now, but uh, that's not for me to determine. Not yet. Side, but uh, anyway, maybe that market will come back. We're not really holding our breath for Russia. I don't think that was a big market for us anyway. <laughs> right. We've sold actually four cars to Chile. Mm-hmm. So go figure yeah. that. You know, I interesting. So maybe we're gaining a little rep. Maybe we should build our next classic car <laughs> in Chile. Why not? So, why not? Why? You know, we could. Of course, you know, we could. You know, have to work a lot more too. Yeah. So. But anyway, my wife made me go to HomeSense yesterday, and I hate that store. Oh. Except every time I go, I find a cool car something. Really? Or I say car something, gearhead something. I found that Ferrari boat that I have that's in my office that's like three feet long. You found that at HomeSense? <laughs> yeah. Just walking around the I corner. Think that was a mistake. Dave. Walking around the corner mad that I'm at HomeSense mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at these doilies and right. whatever the hell else I'm looking mm-hmm. at. And Sofa all of a covers. sudden, behind a candle and a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a Buddha, <laughs> Buddhist sconce, there's a, there's a Ferrari boat and what? it's like about this big. Huh. And if you're on radio, I guess they won't see that. No, but. it's three, four feet long. Yeah. And it's cool. It's the, and they actually, uh, that boat, the actual one or one of the actual ones actually sold at RM auctions a few years ago for like a million five or something, but it's a Ferrari V12 motor and, of course, the other model I have in my office is the Riva, which would have had twin V12 Lamborghini. Wow. Or something like that. I don't know. That's I'm crazy. never going to afford one except for the one mm-hmm. that's this big. Right. That one's like six <laughs> feet in my office. So That's neat. That's a that's a good home sense find because uh, yeah. most of it's just Yeah, tchotchkes. Tchotchkes. Although we were at the flea market the other day, and I was down there, and I found a book about my old partner I didn't know about. No kidding. Boyd Coddington, Hot Rod book and uh-huh. had pictures of him from back in the day. We used to be partners mm. with him in the auction business and until he passed. Right. Um, he passed kind of in the middle of our partnership. Is that so, right? Yeah. It mm. was kind of weird. So, but uh, anyway, rest in peace, Boyd. And his cars, you know, still bring pretty good premiums. I mean, he was an innovator in the hobby. There's no question about it. And uh, one of the pioneers in the, the hot rod business. And at one time, had a huge wheel business and, mm-hmm. and was hugely successful and of course went on to do American Hot Rod, which was, uh, they portrayed him probably a little harshly on that show. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you don't realize until you're in the middle of it, like I was, is when they have a, a microphone attached to your hip mm-hmm. and they've got a camera with a long range lens. Yeah. And you're saying things that you shouldn't be saying. They're getting uh, off in the it. corner. Yeah, off there. in the corner. <laughs> Literally, Kathy and I were in the office talking about something we didn't need anybody to know about. And they had, they were like lifting the levelers, <laughs> uh, poking the camera in because I still had the thing uh-huh. I'm not realizing. Right. And I had to tell them, you air that and I will find you, I'll hunt you down and I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't really. Gotta be careful when you go to the bathroom in this, with those <laughs> you gotta microphones. You gotta be careful with a lot of things. You know, you just, you're on yeah, all the time. That's right. It's like Siri. Mm-hmm. It's like Kathy was texting somebody, one of our customers yesterday, and then she started talking to Amy about some shopping or one of our other girls mm-hmm. that works for us. And it's typing it out on this text message. Wow. One of my employees one time, I told him I loved him with all my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I meant it for my daughter. And That's funny. I was texting him, I love you with all my heart. And he goes, 
Okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh. No. Yeah, I was dictating in the car the other day and I picked up the radio. You got to turn the radio down. Yeah. Otherwise, it picks up whatever talk radio you're listening Absolutely. to. Absolutely. So, in my broadcast days, I was told always assume a microphone is on when you're in a studio. For Isn't sure. Isn't that the truth? For sure. Yeah. And I, I worked in like Sirius XM or, and the Voice of America where they have a, ma- they have 80 studios and a master control. So they're all connected somewhere and anywhere a, a switch could be put on accidentally or on purpose. And anything you say could yeah. go out. So. Yeah. And so, cameras, too. There's exactly. a camera everywhere now. Yeah, that's, that's why a, we have to be careful in the hallway, uh, the mall. Uh, have <laughs> I've gotten like 90 cameras out <laughs> Sure. There. Yeah. I've got, we got cameras everywhere. I know. Of course, the problem is, is that if you need to find something to go through the footage to actually find if like somebody stole a hood ornament <laughs> right, or something, right. which never happens here, mm-hmm. by the way. Nothing's ever. Doesn't really. We really don't. We've, I mm-hmm. think we've lost one gas cap. Right. And I think that could have been internal. It's a big place. It's, it's an hard. inside job. It, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I sold it on eBay. <laughs> if I see, right, right. So when Mel Tillis, we had the Mel Tillis Theater in Branson, Missouri. We had a garage sale one time, and we had a bunch of Mel Tillis shirts and hats right. and stuff. So we sold them in the garage sale, and he showed up, and he's like, "What the hell are you all doing? What are you all doing selling my stuff here?" Wow. You know? We were like, "Well, it was you gave it to us, and then it was no longer needed." So, mm-hmm. so in the mean, and literally, we had to pay double for stuff in the future because he thinks that we were just grabbing them off uh-huh. the shelves and having wow. them at our garage sale. So when I moved to Branson, there was a sign for a garage sale, and garage was spelled G-R-O-J. <laughs> so those uh, are the best ones to go to. Yeah, they're the ones you they don't know, they don't know what they got. They don't know what they got. Oh yes, that Ferrari uh, two fifty <laughs> GTO that happens to be under a pile of tarps. Tarp. Yeah, that's like five thousand dollars, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. So uh, you know, it's funny though. I mean, I don't know that you still find. I'm sure you can still find stuff at, at, at flea markets. Oh yeah, I'd love to be able to have access to people's attics of of of, of widows of guys that passed away for with sure. cars because there's build sheets and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stuff in attics that we talk about that uh, uh, are there for the taken and they got left there and they'll probably never be see the light of day no different than a Thunderbird hardtop. So, anyway, when we return to the Classic Auto Mall podcast, uh, we'll have our special guest, David Madera, from, uh, he's out in Washington. He's on the the left coast. Left coast. Which means that it's earlier out Mm -hmm. there than it is here. We're at lunchtime here, and he's like, you know, early (laughs) breakfast. So, anyway, when we return uh, with the Classic Auto Mall podcast, we'll be back in a couple minutes. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're... We're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, with my new dearest friend, Dave Madera. David Madera from Gig Harbor, Washington. Are you still in Gig Harbor? Is that still where home is? It, it is, Stuart. I'm, I'm there right now, and I look out right on the water. In fact, the tide's out. If you were here, we'd go get some oysters together if you like them. 
I love them. I'm going, I'm on my way. I'll be there. And well, if I fly Southwest, it'll take me four and a half days to get there because, uh, we just flew Southwest to Colorado Springs and it was a nightmare, you know, and, and they have rules. You know, it's like that damn Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry. And there, I'm going to probably get a letter about this, but you go to Chick-fil-A, you go to the drive-through and there's no menu. There's just some guy standing there and you're supposed to know what to order. And if you don't, then you're kind of not in the club and we don't, and Southwest is the same way. They're, most of them are doing that now. They're all starting. They stand there with a little tablet in their hand, and you don't have anything to look at. That drives me nuts, too. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a brownie that I'd like to have that I don't <laughs> even know is on the menu. <laughs> of course, my wife's mad now at McDonald's because they got rid of the uh, apple fritter. Oh. <laughs> so, And when we return to the food show, yeah. uh, we'll – no. Anyway, David, our good friend, uh, is the vice chairman, president, and CEO. you got all the best titles. I like that. You know, when you, when you want to grab the power, you got to get it all or you might not survive, right? So. So you're the vice chairman of America's Automotive Trust. You're the president, CEO of LeMay. That's crazy. That's some good titles. And I'll tell you why. The, I was the CEO and the president and then I attempted to retire and I just became vice chairman of the board. And, uh, and I'm emeritus. So I'm, permanent with the board but <laughs> then then due to some uh, failed leadership a couple of ceos who didn't make it and covid i came out of retirement and took on those titles to you know rebuild uh the organization coming out of that mess and uh, that's why i've got all these titles Hopefully temporarily. <laughs> I hear you. Listen, you know, uh, the LeMay Museum, for those of you who are not familiar, is literally called America's Automotive Museum. And that's by design. That's not just some, you know, catchphrase that we were trying to make. It, 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 it in fact, is America's Automotive Museum. And I think everybody should know that if they don't. Thank you for that. And, and you're right. It is by design, Stuart. Um, when we began the effort to build it, you know, I challenged Mrs. LeMay and I kind of insulted her because it was the Harold E. LeMay Museum, as so many museums are. You know, sure. they're named founder. And I, I said to her, you know, Nancy, that's a formula for failure. Because when, if it's seen as a family enterprise, why should you, Stuart, or I support it? Right, exactly. And and my understanding is is they do, there's no endowment there's no big war chest of cash available you have to raise the money every year for the operation of the museum through through ticket sales and then fundraisers right yeah I do I have to raise about um, six million a year and uh, that's that's pretty steep yeah. uh, I just got a gift last night for endowment um, as you bring it up because that is a, a crucial need. And we're beginning to try to be able to turn the corner to ask for that kind of support. Because you're right, it needed. And you don't get it without asking. No, you don't. <laughs> but that's why you have events like we went to in Allentown and what you're doing in Detroit and what you're doing uh, out in, in uh, Washington State and, and, and all of that. And if, um, you know, the LeMay, Harold, you never met Harold, did you? Or did you? No, I didn't. You know, the way I found out about him was I was flying out a plane out of Boston. I picked up the Wall Street Journal, and here's a story of Harold LeMay dying with 3,000 automobiles. And I thought, a stunning story. You know, yeah. And I could tell in it they wanted to build a museum, and I got a hold of somebody. 
So, yeah, I mean, he made uh, Bill Harris' collection look like peanuts, uh, what LeMay had. And, of course, he was in the garbage business, right, and and was out on the road every day and was seeing these cars and barns and fields and warehouses and whatever and amassed – I mean, I don't know. How, how do you have time to run a business and amass 3,000 cars? I have no idea. And And, you know, you talk about the fields and all that. When I came out there and looked at this, there were cars in fields with tarps, and there were cars stacked in trailers from semis that, you know, because he had them, right? And right. they were in chicken coops and in 50 buildings through the county. I mean, there there was one in Colorado Springs that they called me after his death, and I had to go get, you know? I mean, it, it was – I want to make up stories about – Oh, I just got a call. They found one in Kansas. <laughs> Another building. Oh, I love it. My partner is very similar to that. He's got semi-trailers full of just stuff. We have a, one semi-trailer that's on our property here. It's full of 45 records. And I'm sure they're probably not in the best of condition considering the heat and snow and cold and all that. But were the cars in, were most of the cars preserved or were they in not so great? The, um, the core were, there were, he had Nancy LeMay, <clears throat> if you met her, when you meet her, she's a delightful little woman, and she will tell you, come on over, I have a five-bedroom house and a 300-car garage. And she, <laughs> and she does. And they started just, he built barns on the property, and he, <clears throat> and built a little museum. Then he bought, then he bought a uh, former convent. And he just, and he took that over and he had another 800 cars there, um, on display and fairly well, uh, you know, not humidity controlled, but cared for. And then, you know, let's say that was about, you know, 12 or 1300 cars. And then he had these roughly 2000 in all kinds of conditions. And, and he would admit that, you know, maybe, Half of those were out in fields. I mean, we had to cull a lot. Right. Uh, because there's no way you could afford to restore them, keep them running, nor, nor were a huge number of them weren't worth that, you know? Sure. He, <clears throat> what were the most valuable cars in the collection or are in the collection? So, um, the, he's got a 1930, we have a 1930, uh, Duesenberg Murphy J. Convertible coupe. Right. That's, that's a gorgeous car. We have a Tucker, uh, 48 Tucker, with, uh, in the, uh, maiden, what would they call it? The gown, the gown. It was the evening gown blue that, that, <laughs> that was the wife's favorite of, you know, the, of the guy who built Tucker. Right. Um, those are probably the two. We have a 27 LaSalle. It's not probably the most valuable, but it's, an important car because it was one of Harley Earl's first designs. Wow. And, and it was a car that ran in the Mille Emilia in 1927. Keith Flickinger and I drove it in the Mille Emilia about 10 years ago and we hope to bring it back in 2027 on the 100th running. Wow. Um, is, is that, and where is the car? In Washington now or is it, is it still over? Wow. And you and Keith got to drive. You know what? I, you know, you guys just gallivanting around the country having fun. The rest of us are slepping around working. I guess I, I got to come with you. Well, I, I keep bugging you. Come on. 
I know, I know. And you know, the problem is, is I can make an excuse not to do something about as easily as I can not. You know, I mean, it's like, it is so easy to say no as you got older. I remember back in the day when some, you know, your buddies would say, let's go party. We're going to go down and score some whatever and score some girls. And, you know, you couldn't say no because they'd just drive you crazy until you said yes. Now I'm very comfortable saying no. And I look, I go, look, I got something here. I got something there. I got to say no, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> but I'm not saying no much longer with you. Good deal. I, I'm with you on that. I, I agree. And, you know, I told you this pace I've got coming up. That's absurd for somebody my age. And I, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to repeat that. You know? So you got a big uh, fundraiser, uh, if you will, coming up in Detroit, right? And that's uh, coming up. Is that now coinciding with the Detroit Auto Show? And is the D- Detroit Auto Show not in January anymore? No, the Detroit Auto Show moved to uh, the summer about seven or eight years ago. It moved to June, and then it got moved again, and it got moved to September, um, I think, in 2019. Um, and so right now it's still in September, though. You know what? There's a lot of talk from people that they want to – bring it back to January in Detroit. As you know, as horrible as that sounds, the weather in Detroit in January, it it gave the show a distinction uh, that you braved, you know, you braved it. In fact, our first drive home was from here, Washington, in three classic cars. We left the day after Christmas and drove and opened the auto show, you know, through blizzards and stuff, which created all angst on social media. And it, and everybody started cheering us on. It was really fun. It was a good thing. You know, I went to the Detroit Auto Show in 2004, I guess, was the last time I was there. And uh, it was amazing. I went on press day, which, you know, not so crazy crowded, but the displays were spectacular. But, you know, I've come walking out of the bathroom. And excuse me, right next to me is the captain, Roger Pinsky, and he stops and we chat for a few minutes. And I'm like, wow, now that doesn't happen everywhere. And of course, a lot of people wouldn't know who he was, but to me, Roger Pinsky is, you know, probably, probably my, I could say in the automotive world, he's as idolish as you get. Yeah, I agree. You know, that is a fun thing about that show that you'll run into Ed Welburn or you'll run, you know, people that you know, uh, but don't see. And there they are, and they're nice people. Yeah, it's it's amazing, this hobby. Uh, the people that I've met in the past oh, three or four years, more so since I've been up in this part of the world, because you tend to have more automotive events up here that are attended by people that are well-known. But these are people that the general public, you can sit next to a guy, Ed Welburn on a plane, and most people wouldn't know who he was. I would. Uh, but Chuck Cantwell, the father of the GT350, and Pete Brock, uh, the, you know, the father of the, Co- uh, the Cobra Daytona, and, you know, Dr. Simeone when he was alive, and Nicola Bulgari, and, and all these, you know, people that probably the layman wouldn't know. Yeah. Steve Celine will be there with us. She's on our board, you know, and he's doing the 40th anniversary of Celine at the show this year. And, you know, nobody would know who Steve Salinas is. He's just walking around the show. Absolutely. Our age, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. The nice thing about that is, is that guys like that can live their normal life. I wouldn't want to be famous, famous for the, any money in the, in the world. I mean, I like to be known. I, well, here I am doing a podcast, so maybe I'm a big fat liar, but, <laughs> but, but I, I wouldn't want to be famous actor famous. You know, back in the day, you could be famous and get away with stuff. Now, if you're famous, they know where you live. They know what you drive. They know what you eat. They know everything. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and the worst part about it is, is that you can't enjoy your life and now you feel guilty if you have success or you mm. have something nice or drive a nice car and people, you know, I remember growing up that the wealthy people in town drove Buicks and the middle class drove Cadillacs. Exactly right. My, my uncle Bob had all Buicks and he was the wealthy guy in the family in the fifties. Yeah. And, you know, and my dad drove Fords, you know, I mean, it was, it was that kind of thing. But the brand loyalty back in the day in the 50s and the 60s was amazing. I mean, you know, there is no loyalty of anything anymore, much less brand loyalty of cars. You know, I mean, it was people were, oh, he's the Oldsmobile guy. Oh, he's a Buick guy. Oh, he's a Chevrolet guy. I mean, that's the way it did. I see the flashing red light. Does that mean we're we're supposed to be taking a break now? When we return, we'll continue this fabulous conversation with my dear friend David Madeira here in just a minute on the Classic Auto Mall podcast. See you in a couple When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare custom and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall Podcast. Don't forget our upcoming auction coming up September the 15th. Uh, it's really getting traction. Starting we're to develop. Really, yeah. yeah, we're getting uh, quite a few cars. We're going to limit it to 125 cars. It'll be September the 15th. Start The cars start at noon. It's a Friday. We're going to be done by 4.30 or 5 and have some uh, after-dinner drinks and cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and sure. all that good stuff. And uh, But we're getting lots and lots of activity on this. And one of the reasons we're doing it is we need to thin the herd a little bit. we got 940 cars in here and need to thin the herd. Anyway, talking with our dear friend David Madeira, uh, who's out in Washington and up early with us this morning. Tell us a little bit about America's Automotive Trust. What is that in a nutshell? Its, um, its mission is to, we like to say, is honor the past, celebrate the present, and drive the future for automotive heritage and our automotive culture in this country. And so we, it's, it's the umbrella organization designed to make sure we're doing all those things. And its key components are LeMay America's Car Museum, which is the largest car museum in America. And then the RPM Foundation, which is in uh, Chicago. And that's restoration, preservation, and mentorship. Um, because we know that you know, the hobby is aging out. The guys who can, who can handle the, who know how to build these cars, preserve these cars. So, and there's the schools are failing 
in teaching young people the applied arts, right, and all those crafts. So we take very seriously the training of young people so that the car hobby and our and our heritage have a future. So sure. those are the you know the museum preserves history, preserves the cars, stories, does a lot of things for the present too. But it's it's honoring the past, driving the future through the RPM Foundation, celebrating the present. We have a lot of driving activities. So we have two different clubs, Club Auto, which is a twelve hundred dollar a year membership, and and then the Concord Club, which is those who are really committed to philanthropy to this. They have to give at least a hundred thousand dollars. We have a hundred members of that who've given us over eighty million dollars over the last twenty years. Wow. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that we're engaged with the culture. That's why we do these driving activities like the drive home to Detroit. And that's to keep the car, the driven car, on the road, in the public eye, right? And and then uh, through philanthropy, make sure that we're supporting both the heritage and the training of young people for the future. So that's it in a nutshell. And how far along are you in the journey of it? Are you are you where you want to be and where you should be? Do you need to be better? Do you you know? I mean, are you ahead of schedule or behind? Schedule? Where are you at? Where's that doing? Well, in terms of part of our mission is you and I were talking off uh, on break about collaboration. And so one of the key things we've been talking about is how do you partner with other entities? We have a partnership with the Gilmore Museum in Michigan. And uh, we we have an affiliation with America on Wheels in Allentown. We have uh, affiliation, a partnership with the Great Race, uh, with the Pebble Beach Concours. And so we're trying very hard to build those that cooperative nature that we all share in this together. COVID knocked that back. Um, we lost a million dollars a year revenue, um, earned revenue. We had to uh, thin our ranks a bit. Um, the museums were closed. Some of the drives we wanted to do, no one could participate in. The collaborations kind of dried up. So we're in year two of coming out of that. Year one was really tough. With the hiring environment, um, unbelievable. That's that's a long subject for another day. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, it's uh, it. We felt it here as well too. I remember uh, March the twentieth of uh, twenty twenty. I'll never forget. We laid everybody off. My wife and my son and I locked the doors. We're starting to walk past the front reception area, and the phone was ringing. And I grabbed it, you know, I never answered the phone. I grabbed it and said, hello, Classic Auto Mall, probably in that tone and that disgusted sound. And the guy says, hey, I see you got a 65 Mustang for sale. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And then the other line's ringing. I'm like, Kathy, Kathy, the other line's ringing. Get the... So all of a sudden, the phones never stopped ringing for us. So we were down to three of us running this thing. And literally, I can remember Kathy, people handing their titles to Kathy through the sliding, through the glass doors, uh, in a, the front of our building. And we weren't really contacting with anybody, shippers. We would leave the car outside and still sell. So we got lucky that we made it through that because I can tell you the minute that everything shut down from a COVID standpoint, I said, well, the last thing that's going to survive is classic automall. We're done. There's no way it's going to survive. And we didn't thrive. But we had enough inventory to survive. And so it's encouraging that you guys were able to survive it as well, too. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it is, and it was tough. But uh, this year, this spring, we're getting an enthusiastic response to our 
our cars and cigars, our cruise-ins, our drive-in movies. Uh, the people are coming back out. Membership still needs to come back up. It's it took a big hit. If you have nothing to offer, you know, right? What do you want to do? But uh, I'm optimistic. We're uh, this drive this year uh, to Detroit is called Family Vacation, and we're doing vintage station wagons the whole run. Nice. And the, t- the Today Show's joining us, and NBC News is joining us. So I think the visibility we're going to get for what we're trying to achieve, Stuart, I think that'll be a big boost. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. We had the Professional Car Society here last weekend with ambulances and hearses and all these cars. And I tell you what, it was more interesting looking at those ambulances than most car shows, you know, because there was different stuff you don't see as much. But, you know, one of the things that you talk about and we talk about and everybody in the hobby talks about is how do we get the young people more involved? And usually that's the end of the conversation. It's like, how do we get the young people? we got to do more for the young people. we got to do this. But nobody ever really says this is what we should do to get the young people involved. Everybody just talks about it and then they go, well, it's time to go now. <laughs> you know? What are your thoughts on that? How do we, how do, what do we do to get the young people involved? Well, you know, one of the things we do is our partnership with the great race uh, has a, a division of it. They call the X cup and we help put teams of young people in the great race. So, you know, the great race, you've got all these people our age who've been collecting and on this long journey. And we put teams of young people in to do that with us, with the older generation. And they have to, they have to do all the same things we do and they're learning as they go and they get excited about it. We also, um, we bring them to concourse. We'll select some young people. We had a couple at the Pebble Beach concourse going with, you know, going with staff. And, and meeting people and learning what that environment's all about. We take programs into the schools, uh, where we can. And right now in Allentown, we're trying to develop a, um, with the RB collection, we're trying to develop a, um, uh, high school curriculum, if you will, to, uh, begin to work with small groups of students there, see, help them introduce them to the field, see if they, we can generate interest you know, and then help point them towards the McPhersons of the college or Penn Tech or, uh, you know, some of these places. So that's a little bit of what we're doing. Well, well McPherson has got, got, I imagine, every museum and charitable, charitable organization in a tither after they got the endowment that they got recently. A billion five? Is that? Golly, I mean, that's amazing. And we gotta, you know, I gotta figure that I know who the person is because there's only one person that's in that part of the world that could, that has that kind of collection and money that could give away that much money and it wouldn't really affect their bottom line. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, but, but, uh, what an amazing thing. And the great thing about it is, is that all of the baby boomers getting to that age, hopefully we've all set aside a little money for our favorite automotive Whatever it is, whether it's a museum, whether it's a restoration facility, and I'm with you 100%. Why we got rid of shop class and, you know, my buddies growing up, I can remember the guys who made the most money out of high school that didn't go to college, even the ones that went to college, were the welders and the the guys who had a skill in some kind of blue-collar job. And they did way better than everybody else. Right. Yeah, and there you can't replace them with the, you know, 
You can't replace my plumber with a robot. <laughs> no, you can't run an English wheel with a robot. I can guarantee you. You know, it, uh, Gene Winfield and doing his English wheel is never going to be done by a computer. I don't care who you think you are or what you can create because you don't have that feel, that tactile feel that he has for a piece of metal or, or something like that. Yeah, the art of it. You know, that's what that, that really is the art of it, that sensitivity to it, that tactile feel and that and sensibility, right? Sure. I mean, AI can only go so far. Of course, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to AI, but, <laughs> but it can do a lot of things. Uh, you know, apparently it can sound just like me and, and look just like me and, and you could be talking to some robot here. I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite sure where the end game is for all of that. I guess you could paint a Picasso with, with a robot if so inclined, but, uh, big issue for plagiarism in the, in the school setting. Yeah, and if you see a picture of your favorite actress topless on the beach, you don't know if it's real or not. And <laughs> like that matters, but <laughs> anyway, um, you know, the wonderful thing about this hobby is, is there's so many people like you and McPherson and the LeMays and, and everybody that wants to continue this hobby and doesn't want it to die off. And, you know, nobody's thinking, well, when I'm gone, who cares? You know, we're not, we're, we're not thinking that way. We're all thinking about, you know, we wanted to create a thing and we still want to create it where a kid could earn a button or a badge that they could wear to any car related event, whether it's a, you know, a car show or a cruise in or a concour or our place here. And you would know that they understood how it worked here and that you don't, you know, touch the cars without being, you know, told that you can, uh, you're respectful. You don't run around. You're not, you know, acting, you know, people go, well, what does it matter if my kid's running here? Well, what if there's a, you know, some oil spilled on the ground in here? And I love it when the kids come in and put their hands behind their back when they walk through the, the vestibule of the uh, building and, and they are, you know, respectful of the cars. Now, as our buddy Dave Kenny says, says, look, I'm okay with kids getting in my car as long as they ask permission and I'll let them sit in the car and take their picture, but don't just climb in it willy nilly. I'm with him on that. And we have a very prominent collector out here, a guy named Bruce Wanta, who's got unbelievable cars, and he's just always encouraging the kids to get in. But it's the same thing you said, you know, be respectful, ask, and then, yeah, let's let's encourage that. I do that in the museum, you know, there are stanchions, and right. I'll see a, see a family and a little kid there, and then I'll just walk up to him and I go, would you like to sit in the Flintstone mobile? They love it. <laughs> so can we, and then let them climb in and take a photo, you know? And it just makes them smile. Absolutely. You know, it's it, the funny thing about this hobby is, is that that you're okay with somebody doing it as long as they're doing it the right way. You know, it's like closing a hood. These guys will come in here and they'll open a hood or open a car door. If you're going to open a hood or a car door, first of all, you should ask permission. Second of all, if you do it, know how to close it. Don't. Don't try to ease it down and then push on it a little on one side, you know. Close it properly or don't open it in the first place. So anyway, when we return, uh, we will finish our conversation. You know, I have eight pages of stuff I hadn't even gotten to yet, David. So <laughs> so we probably won't do it the whole segment. So that means you'll have to come back on again, and we'll do this again in the future. Anyway, when we return, we'll be back with uh, David Madeira uh, on the Classic Automall Podcast in just a couple minutes. See you then. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. 
stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio. As we mentioned before, don't forget our auction uh, September the 15th. Started at 11 a.m. with memorabilia. We got to come up with some memorabilia, by the way. <laughs> we got we don't have any memorabilia yet, so it's a Friday. It's a Friday, so people uh, need to know that. <laughs> September 15th is a Friday. Most auctions. Are- there's a odd little thing that's called a calendar, and if you look at it, it'll show you that Saturday. I'm just the- saying. <laughs> just saying. Well, people are confused. They might think it was on a Saturday, so. So shame on them for not looking at a Nine, calendar. Saturday's too short a day to do the auction. Yeah, we only open until that's next, right. So Nine we, to twelve. We got other things to do. <laughs> anyway, we're we're visiting with our dear friend David Madeira from uh, uh, Gig Harbor, Washington, which mm-hmm. sounds like a fantastic place to mm-hmm. live. I just love that name. It's really idyllic. It's you know you get we get off get off the highway you cr- you cross the Narrows Bridge to the Olympic Peninsula and it just quiets down. Oh. And, you know, so I was mentioning, we just, we found a little island and we're just on this little island. Look at the water. I tell you, there's nothing better for me at night to come home, get a drink, sit out on a patio. You know, it's, it's not this palace, but it's just this quiet place, Stuart. It's, it's yeah, great. I you're going to have, you. oh, have to come visit. I've never been to that part of the world, so I'm, I'm definitely coming because I want, I've never been to the LeMay and, uh, I've never been to some other places. I want to get an invitation to a, uh, a collection out there though that, uh, here has a pretty interesting set of cars and they're up in, uh, where are they? Oh, in Salem, Oregon. The Brothers Museum. That thing is supposed to be just unbelievable. They're supposed to have like three of the four Ram Air 469 Trans Ams and all kinds of collector muscle cars. It's supposed to be one of the finest collections in the world. I've never seen it. I don't know anybody who has, but... Uh, I've not seen it. I just wrote that down. I, I appreciate your jog in my memory. It's one yeah. of those... Hey, we never get to some of these I know, places. I know. Were you, were you in uh, Monterey last week or two weeks ago now when this airs? for a short, uh, not all of it. I just went in for a couple of days because I just couldn't handle the travel. Uh, but it it was mobbed. It was packed. You know, every, everyone, <laughs> it was just insanity. I guess I mean, the show on Sunday was great. Um, and, uh, I mean, everything seemed, everything seemed wonderful. 
Well, and and they did, uh, uh, I think, a much better job with the broadcast that they did from the uh, show field uh, that Justin Bell and uh, Tommy Kendall did. It was much better this year than it was in the past. And I don't remember even watching it last year, but the year before, they were kind of finding their way, whatever, if that first year, the last year, the year before. But uh, they were. it was much better. They, they kind of did it more like Barrett-Jackson where they talk about the car coming up as opposed to just talking to people there, which is interesting in itself, but the focus should be the car. And how about RM Restorations? Two years in a row, best in show. Fantastic. Good for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, that sleeping giant got awoken uh, in in more ways than one. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um <laughs> But, um, you know, Pebble is an amazing thing. And, of course, you know, I, I keep procrastinating going because I can't take that long a time off. And, you know, again, the excuses thing. Uh, and I can imagine now that when I'm finally really ready to go, probably next year I told my wife we're going one way, hell or high water, um, you know, the hotel rooms will be 2500 a night. <laughs> I stayed in a motel for 600 a night. Woohoo! I, privately message me that. <laughs> Literally did because I refused to pay what was going on this year. I couldn't believe how bad it had gotten. You know, there'd be a good guest for you. Sandra Button has been running uh, that. She's on our advisory board, and uh, she's been running it, well, chair since Glenn stepped down, which has got to be 15 years ago. I don't know. Probably, yeah. But she's been involved, you know, in operations for 30 years there. and. I went to two dinners um, there during the week, and the uh, respect for Sandra that was expressed uh, by everyone around was was pretty impressive. Justin Bell was doing a lot of talking at both these events and talking about her at part. She'd be a, she'd be a good a good a good guest sometime. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and it's. Uh... You know, we we kind of downplay what we do here, but we are gaining traction on what we do, and uh, we enjoy it, and we try to make it, you know, somewhat entertaining and fun and not quite so stuffy that some things can be. You know, we, you know, listen, if this wasn't fun, I think I'd be ready to be retired right now, you know. I'm, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, and, and but I'm enjoying myself, and I and I hated that I didn't go to Pebble this year because I keep thinking that the one year it's finally just gonna they're gonna say um, it's closed next year we're not gonna do it again nothing's gonna happen no quail no nothing <laughs> it's all done and uh, that sounds like about my luck of of waiting and waiting and waiting and then you know we'll 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 see but I I think that uh, it's encouraging I mean the numbers weren't quite the same as they were last year but. Uh, Still, you know, the RM did $165 million in three days. That is nothing to sneeze at. And that barn find Ferrari collection was ungodly. The numbers are mind boggling. And, you know, they all, they, they aren't what they were. And they, you know, everybody pre- predicted all oh, the old cars aren't going to sell, but, um, people are still making a lot of money. <laughs> Well, and we we do see some adjustments in the market. The BMW 507 seemed to be down a little bit from their from their high water mark, and uh, but then we see stuff like the you know the the 80s and 90s stuff, the 928 Porsche GTS, uh, which I is kind of on my bucket list of cars. It brought you know two hundred eighty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money for a Porsche 928 of any ilk. Yeah, absolutely. What the uh, uh... 507, the BMW go for? I think it was under a million. It was like nine something or I'd have to double check, but it was, it was way off. That's a steep drop. 
Yeah, I think. Uh, gosh, I have to look now. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm famous for bringing stuff up and then not having the answer. <laughs> I remember when that was over two million dollars. We have a board member who got one. He inherited from his dad who bought it for five thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> and and I was watching the sale of one going for two plus. <laughs> and I said, Are You sure you don't want to sell? <laughs> oh, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? It's uh I'm trying to look it up here now because now you got me curious because I keep bringing up stuff I shouldn't if I don't already have done the uh my uh homework on it. Let's see. Does it say here where that one sold for? No, it doesn't. Of course not. But anyway, nonetheless, you know, they found some rare ones here in uh, Pennsylvania a few years ago, a barn find 507 that sold for a couple of million up at uh, Greenwich. Uh, I think that was la- last year or something, you know. It's amazing that people pay the amount of money they pay for a barn find that uh, that you have to go and restore or either or leave it like it is, I guess. You know, but, uh, it's a shame. I know that you're a huge, avid motorcycle rider. And, uh, and we, of course, we're talking about cars, but we also like to, you know, venture off into other things. Did you really go from Tibet to Nepal on a motorcycle? I did. The, um, I've ridden in 25 countries and, um, I, I ran into a guy on an airplane. Back in the late nineties, who, um, had started organizing motorcycle trips overseas. And I said, well, where are you going next? And he, he was a little banty rooster, a guy named Bert. <laughs> and, he, and he, and he stood up, you know, and he goes, Tibet to Nepal. No one's ever done it. I've got the government's approval, the Chinese government. And I said, I'm going. And, uh, so that was in 2000. There were no roads, Stuart. It was all dirt, mud, washouts, river crossings, you name it. Um, and, and we did it. And all the guys were riding Royal Enfields one up. And my wife said, you're not doing that without me. And Linda got on the back. The only, she's the only woman on the trip. We rode two up, which was insanity. And we did it. And she, she's braver than I am to sit on the back. <laughs> so yeah, we did that and, and it was, it was life changing. And that got me into motorcycling, as I said, forever. And so I've made it then over the highest pass in the world called Kardang La at 18,380 feet up in Ladakh, India. And that was thunder, lightning, hail, snow, landslides. People caught on the mountain during the night. I mean, it was insanity again, but we did that. And then we made it to Tierra del Fuego. So as far south as we can go. And then two summers ago, I hope it's not my last adventure ride. Uh, buddy and I, uh, made it all the way up to, uh, Prudhoe Bay and the Arctic Circle. So it's been pretty cool. What is the bike du jour? What's your bike of choice when you do these? Um, when we can get them, the, a BMW, the GS series, the BMW 1200s will take anything. Right. You, know, you got a big bike, but they'll go anywhere and, and they can cruise too, you know, but a lot of these countries like India, all we could get were Enfields. Right. But they were because you don't want a sophisticated bike in a place where nobody, you, you, you want I'll go to the welder, you know, in a little. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Vietnam, it was a mishmash of bikes because in 2004, because they had, they wouldn't sell a bike there over 125 cc. So the bikes we rode were confiscated from the GIs in the seventies and they were on communist leaders and we got them. So we're riding a mishmash of uh, Yamahas and Hondas that were, you know, 30 years old. Wow. What was it emotional in Vietnam? Yeah, it was. Um, I'm sure you lost friends there. I lost friends there. Uh, um, going to way and, and, the you know, where that Tet offensive took place, going to my Lai. Uh, there's a lot of propaganda there. Uh, of course we did horrible things, but it doesn't tell the story what happened to the troops the day before, you know, uh, right. North was very cool to us. In in the south, they kept saying, "This is not Ho Chi Minh City. This is Saigon." Wow! And let us know how much they loved us as right. Americans. Right. It was yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. And of course, when you went to Kathmandu, did you listen to the Bob Seger song Kathmandu? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, man! You'd have to listen to that. <laughs> Problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So tell me about the cars in your world. What do you love? I've always been a Porsche guy. Um, for me, they were just the, as a kid, as a kid, I loved the British cars. And one of my early cars was a Triumph TR3. And I went to college in that. And I, you know, I loved it. It was a 63 TR3. Right. And I, I, so I, I loved the British but then uh, a friend of mine's dad bought a uh, 911 uh, right when they were coming out here in the 60s. And I fell in love with those. And that sweet flat six, you know, the, yeah. the air cooled. So those, those have always been my favorite. I only have one. I have an 83 911 SC convertible. And I drive it everywhere. It's bulletproof. As you should. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know, and it's it's bulletproof. Um and and I and I love it. So, you know, for me it was the British cars as a kid and then American muscle one as a kid and you know, sure. as you said it was brand loyalty. So, I was a Mustang guy, you know, and I had a friend who was a Camaro guy. That's the way we all grew up. Tell me, uh David, uh before we go, the website they can find America's Automotive Trust and LeMay and all that good pertinent information. So uh, www.aat.org or simply Google America's Car Museum and they'll find us on everything. It's all linked. That LeMay is an amazing, amazing place. And if you've never gotten the chance to go, go. And I'm going, we're talking next year, aren't we? We're, we're going to we're going to do something next year. We don't know what it is yet. Do a podcast from there and we'll go and we'll, um, we'll go and meet some of the collectors. You, you could do some, Podcasted some collections and all talk, you know, that would be fun. My engineers' eyes are lighting up because they're thinking they're getting a West Coast trip out of this. So, <laughs> David, such a pleasure to have you on. So glad to see you face to face, even though it's through the computer. And uh, we will certainly see you soon. Sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it to Detroit, but uh, we'll certainly catch you the next time. We'll stay in touch. Thanks for this opportunity. It's fun to be with you all. Thanks so much. Take care, David. 
You've been listening to the Classic Auto Mall Podcast with your host, Stuart Howden, executive producer Steve Safier, produced and engineered by yours truly, J.R. Russ. Thanks for listening and sharing the Classic Auto Mall Podcast, available on ClassicAutoMall.com, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Music, courtesy of the Pat Travers Band, produced by Car Smarts Media, copyright 2023, all rights reserved. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.